0: Section 18 of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 2 by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording, All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. He much recommended Law's serious call, which he said was the finest piece of hortatory theology in any language. Law, said he, fell latterly into the reveries of Jacob Bayman. Footnote: I taught myself, Law tells us, the high dutch language on purpose to know the original words of the blessed jacob Overton's life of law behmen or boemer the mystic shoemaker of gerlitz was born in fifteen seventy five and died in sixteen twenty four his books may not hold at all honourable places in libraries his name may be ridiculous but he was a generative thinker. What he knew, he knew for himself. It was not transmitted to him, but fought for. F.D. Morris's moral and metaphysical philosophy. Of Hudibras's Squire Ralph, it was said, The Anthroposophus and Fluid and Jacob Bayman understood Hudebras. Wesley Journal writes of Bayman's Mysterium Magnum. I can and must say thus much, and that with as full evidence as I can say two and two make four. It is most sublime nonsense, inimitable bombast, fustian not to be paralleled. Footnote. Jacob Bayman. Whom law alleged to have been somewhat in the same state with St Paul, and to have seen unutterable things. Footnote, he heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Second Epistle to the Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse four. He would have resembled St Paul still more by not attempting to utter them. He observed that the established clergy in general did not preach plain enough, and that polished periods and glittering sentences flew over the heads of the common people without any impression upon their hearts. Something might be necessary, he observed, to excite the affections of the common people, who were sunk in languor and lethargy, and therefore he supposed that the new concomitants of methodism, might probably produce so desirable an effect in humphrey clinker in the letter of june the eleventh the turnkey of clerkenwell prison thus speaks of a methodist i don't care if the devil had him there's been nothing but canting and praying since the fellow entered the place rabbit him the tap will be ruined we ain't sold a cask of beer or a dozen of wine since he paid his garnish." The gentleman get drunk with nothing but your damned religion. footnote. The mind, like the body, he observed, delighted in change and novelty, and even in religion itself, courted new appearances and modifications. Whatever might be thought of some Methodist teachers, he said he could scarcely doubt the sincerity of that man who travelled 900 miles in a month and preached twelve times a week for no adequate reward merely temporal could be given for such indefatigable labour john wesley probably paid more for turnpikes than any other man in england for no other person travelled so much southey's wesley he tells us himself that he preached about eight hundred sermons in a year Ibid in one of his appeals to men of reason and religion he asks can you bear the summer sun to beat upon your naked head can you suffer the wintry rain or wind from whatever quarter it blows are you able to stand in the open air without any covering or defence when god casteth abroad his snow like wool or scattereth his frost like ashes and yet these are some of the smallest inconveniences which accompany field preaching for beyond all these are the contradiction of sinners the scoffs both of the great vulgar and the small contempt and reproach of every kind often more than verbal affronts stupid brutal violence sometimes to the hazard of health or limbs or life brethren. Do you envy us this honour? What, I pray you, would buy you to be a field preacher? For what, think you, could induce any man of common sense to continue therein one year, unless he had a full conviction in himself that it was the will of God concerning him? Sotheby's Wesley. End of footnote. Of Dr Priestley's theological works, he remarked that they tended to unsettle everything, and yet settled nothing. He was much affected by the death of his mother, and wrote to me to come and assist him to compose his mind, which indeed I found extremely agitated. He lamented that all serious and religious conversation was banished from the society of men, and yet great advantages might be derived from it all acknowledged he said what hardly anybody practised the obligation we were under of making the concerns of eternity the governing principles of our lives every man he observed at last wishes for retreat he sees his expectations frustrated in the world and begins to wean himself from it and to prepare for everlasting separation He observed that the influence of London now extended everywhere, and that from all manner of communication being opened, there shortly will be no remains of the ancient simplicity or places of cheap retreat to be found. He was no admirer of blank verse, and said it always failed unless sustained by the dignity of the subject. In blank verse he said, the language suffered more distortion to keep it out of prose than any inconvenience or limitation to be apprehended from the shackles and circumspection of rhyme. Good note. Stockdale reported to Johnson that Pope had told Littleton that the reason why he had not translated Homer into blank verse was that he could translate it more easily into rhyme, sir replied Johnson. When Pope said that, he knew that he lied. Stocktown's memoirs. In the Life of Somerville, Johnson says, If blank verse be not humoured and gorgeous, it is crippled prose. Johnson's works, volume 8, page 95. End of footnote. He reproved me once for saying grace, Without mention of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and hoped in future I would be more mindful of the apostolical injunction. Footnote Ephesians chapter five verse twenty and footnote. He refused to go out of a room before me at Mister Langton's house, saying he hoped he knew his rank better than to presume to take place of a doctor in divinity. I mention such little anecdotes merely to show the peculiar turn and habit of his mind. He used frequently to observe that there was more to be endured than enjoyed in the general condition of human life, and frequently quoted those lines of Dryden, Strange Cousinage. None would live past years again, yet all hope pleasure from what still remain footnote. in the original yet all hope pleasure in what yet remain End footnote. for his part he said he never passed that week in his life which he would wish to repeat were an angel to make the proposal to him he was of opinion that the english nation cultivated both their soil and their reason better than any other people but admitted that the French, though not the highest, perhaps in any department of literature, yet in every department were very high. Intellectual pre-eminence, he observed, was the highest superiority, and that every nation derived their highest reputation from the splendour and dignity of their writers. Footnote. The chief glory of every people arises from its authors, johnson's works chapter five page forty nine and a footnote Voltaire, he said, was a good narrator, and that his principal merit consisted in a happy selection and arrangement of circumstances, Speaking of the French novels compared with Richardson's, he said they might be pretty baubles, but a wren was not an eagle in a latin conversation with the pair boscovich at the house of mrs Chumley, i heard him maintain the superiority of sir isaac newton over all foreign philosophers with the dignity and eloquence that surprised that learned foreigner Footnote. in a discourse by sir william jones addressed to the asiatic society in, square brackets in calcutta february twenty fourth seventeen eighty five is the following passage. One of the most sagacious men in this age, who continues I hope to improve and adorn it, Samuel Johnson, in square brackets, he had been dead ten weeks, remarked in my hearing that if Newton had flourished in ancient Greece, he would have been worshipped as a divinity. Malone. Johnson, in An Account of an Attempt to Ascertain the Longitude, Works, Volume 5, page 299, makes the supposed author say, I have lived till I am able to produce in my favour the testimony of time, the inflexible enemy of false hypotheses, the only testimony which it becomes human understanding to oppose to the authority of Newton. Murphy, Life, page 91, places the scene of such a conversation in the house of the Bishop of Salisbury. Boscovitch, he writes, had a ready current flow of that flimsy phraseology with which a priest may travel through Italy, Spain, and Germany. Johnson scorned what he called colloquial barbarisms. It was his pride to speak his best. He went on, after a little practice, with as much facility as if it was his native tongue. One sentence this writer well remembers. Observing that Fontenelle at first opposed the Newtonian philosophy, and embraced it afterwards, his words were, Fontenellus, ni fallo, in extrema senectute, fur transfuga ad castra Newtoniana." Boscovich, the Jesuit astronomer, was a professor in the University of Pavia. When Dr. Burney visited him, he complained very much of the silence of the English astronomers who answer none of his letters. Burney's tour in France and Italy, end a It being observed to him that a rage for everything English prevailed much in France after Lord Chatham's glorious war, he said he did not wonder at it for that we had drubbed those fellows into a proper reverence for us and that their national petulance required periodical chastisement lord littleton's dialogues he deemed a nugatory performance that man said he sat down to write a book to tell the world what the world had all his life been telling him somebody observing that the scotch highlanders in the year seventeen forty five had made surprising efforts considering their numerous wants and disadvantages yes sir said he their wants were numerous but we have not mentioned the greatest of them all the want of law speaking of the inward light to which some methodists pretended He said it was a principle utterly incompatible with social or civil security if a man said he pretends to a principle of action of which i can know nothing nay not so much as that he has it but only that he pretends to it how can i tell what that person may be prompted to do when a person professes to be governed by a written ascertained law I can then know where to find him the poem of fingal he said was a mere unconnected rhapsody a tiresome repetition of the same images footnote the first of macpherson's forgeries was fragments of ancient poetry collected in the highlands edinburgh seventeen sixty 1760. in seventeen sixty two he published in london the works of Ossian, the son of Fingal, two volumes. Volume one contained Fingal, an ancient epic poem in six books. And a footnote. In vain shall we look for the look at a where there is neither end nor object, design or moral. Neck cata recordi imago. Footnote: Horace, as Poetica, Book One, Line Forty-One. And a footnote. Being asked by a young nobleman what was become of the gallantry and military spirit of the old English nobility, he replied, Why, my lord, I'll tell you what has become of it. It is gone to the city to look for a fortune. Speaking of a dull, tiresome fellow whom he chanced to meet, he said, That fellow seems to me to possess but one idea and that is a wrong one. Much inquiry having been made concerning a gentleman who had quitted a company where Johnson was, and no information being obtained, at last Johnson observed that he did not care to speak ill of any man behind his back, but he believed the gentleman was an attorney. Footnote. Perhaps Johnson had some ill-will towards attorneys, such as he had towards excisemen. In London, which was published in May 1738, he couples them with street robbers. Their ambush here relentless ruffians lay, and here the fell attorney prowls for prey. Works. In a paper in the Gentleman's magazine for the following June, Written, I have little doubt, by him, the profession is thus savagely attacked. Our ancestors in ancient times had some regard to the moral character of the person sent to represent them in their national assemblies, and would have shown some degree of resentment or indignation, had their votes been asked for a murderer, an adulterer, a known oppressor, an hireling evidence, an attorney a gamester or a pimp. In The Life of Blackmore, Works, volume 8, page 36, he has a sly hit at the profession. Sir Richard Blackmore was the son of Robert Blackmore, styled by Wood, gentleman, and supposed to have been an attorney. We may compare Goldsmith's lines in Retaliation, then what was his failing? Come tell it, and burn ye." He was, could he help it, a special attorney. End footnote. He spoke with much contempt of the notice taken of Woodhouse, the poetical shoemaker. He said it was all vanity and childishness, and that such objects were, to those who patronised them, mere mirrors of their own superiority. They had better, said he, furnish the man with good implements for his trade, than raise subscriptions for his poems. He may make an excellent shoemaker, but can never make a good poet. A schoolboy's exercise may be a pretty thing for a schoolboy, but it is no treat for a man. Speaking of Boethius, who was the favourite writer of the Middle Ages, footnote Dr. Maxwell is perhaps here quoting The Idler, number 69, where Johnson, speaking of Boethius on the comforts of philosophy, calls it the book which seems to have been the favourite of the Middle Ages. End of he said it was very surprising that upon such a subject and in such a situation he should be magis philosophus quam christianus speaking of arthur murphy whom we very much loved i don't know said he that arthur can be classed with the very first dramatic writers yet at present i doubt much whether we have anything superior to arthur wouldn't it yet it is of murphy's tragedy of zenobia that Mrs. Piozzi writes, Anecdotes. A gentleman carried Dr. Johnson his tragedy, which, because he loved the author, he took, and it lay about our rooms some time. Which answer did you give your friend, sir? said I, after the book had been called for. I told him, replied he, that there was too much tig and terry in it seeing me laugh most violently. Oh, well, what wouldst have, child? said he. I looked at nothing but the dramatis, in square brackets, personae, and there was tigranes and teridates, or teribias, or such stuff. A man can tell but what he knows, and I never got any further than the first pages. End of footnote. Speaking of the national debt, he said it was an idle dream to suppose that the country could sink under it. Let the public creditors be ever so clamorous. The interest of millions must ever prevail over that of thousands. Hume was one who had this idle dream. Shortly before his death, one of his friends wrote, he still maintains that the national debt must be the ruin of Britain, and laments that the two most civilized nations, the English and the French, should be on the decline, and the barbarians, the Goths and Vandals of Germany and Russia, should be rising in power and renown J H Burton's Hume in a footnote. Of Dr. Kennicott's collations he observed that though the text should not be much mended thereby yet it was no small advantage to know that we had as good a text as the most consummate industry and diligence could procure footnote hannah moore was with dr Kennicott at his death thus closed a life she wrote memoirs the last thirty years of which were honourably spent in collating the hebrew scriptures See also Boswell's Hebrides, August sixteenth, 1773, and a footnote. Johnson observed that so many objections might be made to everything, that nothing could overcome them but the necessity of doing something. No man would be of any profession as simply opposed to not being of it, but everyone must do something. He remarked, that a London parish was a very comfortless thing, for the clergyman seldom knew the face of one out of ten of his parishioners. Of the late Mr Mallet, he spoke with no great respect, said he was ready for any dirty job, that he had wrote against Bing at the instigation of the ministry, and was equally ready to write for him, provided he found his account in it footnote johnson works volume eight page four six seven says that mallet in return for what he wrote against bing had a considerable pension bestowed upon him which he retained to his death end of, footnote. End of section eighteen